You are listening to South Florida Sunday. We thank you for being with us this morning. We'd like to welcome our next guest. It is Pat O'Mara. She is a community outreach at Trust Bridge Hospice of Palm Beach County and also, of course, Hospice by the Sea. Pat, uh, good morning and welcome to South Florida Sunday. Good morning. Nice to be with you. Great to have you here with us. And um, you are going to talk to us today about a living will. And we were talking a little bit about uh, this subject before we began our program this morning. And you were explaining to me that there is some confusion among folks about the difference between a living will and an advanced directive. And we're going to get into that. But uh, let's talk a little bit first about um, a living will. Everybody's heard about it. Uh, what are advanced directives and uh, living wills, and how are they different from each other? Well, they're not only different from each other, but a lot of people always get them confused with an actual will. You know, they'll say, do you have a, a, a last will and testament, or do you have a will at all? In that case, they're asking somebody about their assets, their home, their jewelry, their cars, whatever. So that has to do with their assets and their allocation of their assets. Separately from that, we have a living will, advanced directives, and usually if someone is in the hospital, hospital staff members will ask them if they can speak. Do you have advanced directives? Do you have a living will? And sometimes they do have that filled out on file. Sometimes it's in a safe deposit box somewhere where nobody knows the key. Mm. Uh, but irregardless, it is what someone wishes to have for themselves, for their body, their well-being. So usually the first two parts are having to do with someone saying, if I am unable to communicate, do I have a health care decision person or a health care surrogate? Do I have someone who will speak on my behalf as to what I wish, how I wish to be treated, and how I wish to be taken care of? if I am unable to communicate for myself. And part of that is also uh, designating who you wish to make those decisions for you if you are unable to do so. And sometimes people make very not good decisions when they do that because they'll say, oh, my daughter will take care of that or my brother or my sister. And if they happen to get the call at 2 a.m. in the morning and you've been in a terrible accident with irreversible brain damage, they may say, oh, no, do whatever you can, keep them on life support, you know, whenever I get there, et cetera, et cetera. And that perhaps is not what you would have wished because you may wind up like Terry Schiavo, if anybody lived in Florida at the time of that case that went on for many, many years. Terry Schiavo was in a vegetative state for 15 years while her former husband and her parents argued in the courts about her continuation. So it's very important that we do have a living will and advanced directives designating those particular issues that are very important to us, particularly now with the COVID situation, mm-hmm. how many people are being placed on life support and on uh, machines. And once they do that, you are unable to communicate. And if your loved ones are not able to come visit you in the hospital and communicate for you, then you are really in a state where you have depended on making sure that those things are in place for your well-being. So now it, it sounds like you're saying that it's important to have both a living will and an advanced directive, or do they kind of cancel each other out? 
they kind of cancel each other out. They're the same term used for the same thing, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a tool that we can send to anybody who calls us. I'll give you the number at the end of the interview, and we'll be happy to send it to them free of charge. We term this the five wishes because the first two chapters are the person I want to make health care decisions for me when I can't make them for myself, and my wish for the kind of medical treatment I want or don't want. Then as we move on to wish number three, four, and five, it's just an easy-to-follow booklet where it asks you questions. You can check it off. You cannot check it off, cross it out, add anything else you wish. But wish number three says my wish for how comfortable I want to be. Wish number four, my wish for how I want people to treat me. And wish number five, my wish for what I want my loved ones to know. So there are things that we have to think about that we don't normally think about, and we often find out that when people have these conversations with family members, the family member will say, oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that's what you wanted or you didn't want or whatever. And sometimes the family members will say, well, I know you have that all written down and it's in the safe deposit box in the bank, right? (laughs) But nobody knows where the key is Mm -hmm. or it's on your computer. But you have a password to your computer and nobody knows what that is. So, again, it's so important that we let people know our wishes for how we wish to be treated in a serious situation. Would it be safe to say that an advanced directive goes into a little bit more detail than a living will? I would say that they both cover all of the details because Mm -hmm. advanced directives and a living will actually talk about your personal health care, how you wish to be treated. And, for example, a book like The Five Wishes is accepted in 42 states And it doesn't need a notary. It can have just two witnesses, except for in four of those states listed uh, within it, such such as, let me mention those, uh, Mm -hmm. Missouri, North Carolina, South Carolina, and West Virginia, where you would have to get a notary. But a tool like this helps to have someone go through those first two advanced directives and living will questions that one might want to make sure they write down or expressed to someone. And then the three, four, and five help one to ask themselves, um, how do I wish to be cared for? And what do I want people to know that I want? After my death, would I like my body to be buried or cremated or something else? You know, things like that that you may not know for sure if your loved ones wish to follow your guidelines. And here you can put it in writing, basically, and make it very clear as to what your wishes are. It's so very important. People just don't think about it until it's too late. And I want to talk a little bit about the word advance in advance directive. This is the type of thing that should be done well in advance, I would assume. It sure should. And, you know, everybody always thinks, well, we're invincible, number one. Number two, It's not going to happen to us, basically. Oh, I'm in my 20s. Nothing can happen to me. Mm -hmm. You could go get in a car in the next 10 minutes and be in a terrible accident and not be able to communicate. Terry Schiavo, when this whole thing started years ago, she was only a young person. And as I said, it went on for 15 years arguing in the courts while she was in a vegetative state. Her her ex-husband saying that's not 
how she wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Her parents saying, "Oh, but I think she's going to recover." It was um, it was a terrible situation that um, brought a lot of this to light. Many people, as I said, who lived here at the time in Florida remember it very well, although it was a national discussion point. And it's very important that people actually have a chance to go over these things no matter what age they are, because if they're a young person, it might not be something that the parents are ready to face if they're the decision makers. And it's better for young and old and middle-aged as well to have the discussion and to think about these things so that people, our loved ones, are not left arguing with each other over what we wished to have. Now, where does someone start and how do you complete an advanced directive? Well, uh, if they were to get a copy of the five wishes, for example, Mm -hmm. they would go step by step. It's very simple, bold type. It was covered nationally uh, on on CNN, the Today Show, and Time and Money magazine. So it's been around for quite a few years. And it will tell them step by step, wish number one, you designate who my health care agent will be and making sure you pick the right person just as a suggestion uh, before you put that in writing. And if you wish to change that, if something happens to that person or you move away, how you do that. Wish number two, what kind of medical treatment I want or I don't want. It has a chance to actually go through that. And there's another part of this that's very important because it will ask somebody in case of an emergency, do you have a DNR? Do you have a do not resuscitate order? Because that is something that when you usually get to a hospital, they will ask you if you have a DNR and you need to talk to a doctor about that because a single person cannot just fill out a DNR. They have to have a doctor's signature on it as well as their own. And you'll find that sometimes things like this are posted on the door of a hospital room. And if they leave the hospital and go to a facility, they have to have another one filled out for that facility so that all the caregivers know exactly what kind of care the person wished to have. And as I said, then, if you move on to wish number three, my wish for how comfortable I want to be, we can't always assume that people, if they are in pain, wish to be taken out of pain to the point that they cannot communicate. Mm -hmm. People may say, no, I want... I want to be able to communicate with my loved ones. Others may say, I really don't want to be in a lot of pain. I really wish to be as comfortable as I possibly can. Let's go ahead and have conversations that we need to have before it gets to that point. Um, I wish for how I want people to treat me or my wish for what I want my loved ones to know, as I said before. It's kind of an easy tool that one can follow along, but On the other hand, somebody may say, no, I really want to go through a lawyer. I'm going to have a lawyer do my last will and testament for my assets, and I'm also going to have them oversee my advanced directives, dash, living will, and my other wishes. And sometimes a tool like this, if they bring that with them, can help them make sure that they cover all the bases that they might not have remembered to do. You mentioned a few minutes ago about storing all this important information and all these documents in a safe deposit box. 
which at times can be impossible for family members uh, to uh, get into, uh, to access. Uh, so it sounds like it's a good idea to uh, share copies of these documents with a, a trusted family member or trusted friend. Oh, absolutely. And in the very back page of the, the Five Wishes, for example, there's a wallet card, and uh, it is something that you can make multiple copies of, and in that you designate who you have copies of the living or the five wishes with Mm -hmm. all the people that have copies and you know you can make as many copies as you wish you could put a note on your refrigerator if you might have paramedics coming to your house that says which drawer it is in in the in the um, kitchen for example or next maybe next to your bed but you can designate all the places that you have this stored, and you also put it in your wallet right behind your license. So it is important that a number of people have copies of it so that they know and the health system knows what your wishes are if you are unable to communicate them. Now, we did say it's a good idea to have all this documentation taken care of well in advance early on. Uh, But as we've discovered here in the last couple of months, uh, sometimes situations change. Sometimes things change. Sometimes uh, you want to change your mind. Is it it very easy to change uh, this advance directive? Oh, it sure is. You just have to cross out the things that you wish to change. Maybe, as I said, your health care surrogate is no longer nearby or they've moved or perhaps they've passed away. And so you are able to make any changes you wish. You just cross it out. Again, you have your two witnesses. In my case, it's my next-door neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, resign as witnesses because you can get multiple copies. You just have to make sure you destroy the old one so that there isn't any confusion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would always make sure that, as it says in the back, to remind you that your primary care physician has a copy. So if they're the first person to get contacted, they will have had it in your medical file, uh, that your relatives that you are closest to that might be notified first, they have copies. So you can always make changes. Just make those changes and make the copies and get them out to everybody that's on your list. I want to thank you so much for being with us today and explain, sharing this valuable information with us. Uh, and I feel like we've just kind of touched the top of the iceberg on this information. And you were mentioning some contact information for folks who would like to get more information and to get some of this documentation from you. How do they reach out to you? Oh, sure. Absolutely. They can call our business development department at TrustBridge. And speak to Leah, and the first phone number that they'll need to call is 561-227-5152. Again, 561-227-5152. And we'll be happy to send it to them absolutely free of charge and as many copies as they need so that they could uh, share it with their loved ones as well. Well, it was great talking with you, Pat. Thanks so much for being with us this morning on South Florida Sunday. Sure. Thanks, Ron. Nice talking to you as well. Have a good day.